Geico presents sharing versus oversharing. Way early this morning, Brad Higdon shared a major spoiler alert from everyone's favorite hit show, Sad Emojis, to express his feelings about the plot twist and a playlist he made to drown out his sorrows? Dude, oversharing alert. Brad, Geico has something worth sharing with those who haven't defriended you. Like how you could save hundreds on your car insurance at Geico.com. So stop moping about the post-apocalyptic world and start saving in the real world. Geico, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. And welcome back to Matrix Radio. We are discussing near-death experiences and uh, what, uh, what I have is a very interesting um, uh, a very interesting well, let's see. Hold on. I don't have my... Let me... I'm going to have to get back into my switchboard. It is not playing fair with me. Okay. Um, and uh, I'm going to play a very interesting interview that Barbara DeLong did with a woman by the name of Michelle. And uh, so uh, at the uh, when when that interview is over, then we will take call. This is Barb DeLong. I'm talking with Michelle today, and we're going to talk about her near-death experiences. And I want to thank you very much, Michelle, for sharing this with us. I know that, that this is something that, that you don't exactly talk over cocktails about, and it's not something that comes up in conversation a lot with the general public. And I'm, I'm so grateful that you're sharing with, with us today um, what you experienced. So you want to explain how the first time your near-death experience happened and then the second time? I will. Okay. Um, well, the first time, I didn't uh, understand that that's what that was until later. I thought that it was a, a dream that I had had. But I remember um, whenever I was five years old, my dad was outside breaking horses or we'll bring in a horse in particular. And he had gotten the saddle on her, but um, wasn't able to get actually on her back yet. And she was in the middle of the barn where you would walk through. And I wasn't supposed to be out there, but I was always free spirit. And I decided I'm going to go. And I snuck out and I went and I was watching what Dad was doing. And he didn't see me, and I walked around the back of the horse, and the horse kicked me. And when it kicked me, it kicked me in the head, and I was thrown against a stall door and knocked unconscious. And uh, when I did go unconscious, um, Dad carried me back to the house, but I woke when I opened my eyes, I was blind. They noticed that I couldn't see. So uh, they loaded me in the car, and I don't remember that part. The only reason why I even know or remember the ride is that's when I think I had my out-of-body experience. I remember very clearly sitting on the hood of a red car and watching my dad hold me in his arms. I remember looking through the window saying, it's okay, Daddy. I'm okay, Dad. And But I remember... Um, with watching him hold me and watching, like, knowing that that was me with my long hair and everything. And so for a long time, I just, I don't know, I just thought that was, like, some dream that I had. And then I told Mom about it one day, and she was like, it was a red car? And it was, it, that 
that's what they took me in the hospital in was this this guy that happened to drive up that that our horses drove a red car. Mm-hmm. So um, now I know, since I can still remember it pretty vividly, that that I really think that, that was an out of body experience because I just remember it, it. It was so real. Yeah, it sounds like it. It sounds you know, and and you were observing yourself, which is what most people who have out of body experiences do. They they're they're close to themselves and they see themselves going through something and they feel fine and yet they they know there's concern there. Mhm. And that that was actually an interesting experience because whenever I got back to the hospital or when I when we got there I I couldn't see and I remember very distinctly like having my eyes open and feeling the tears and feeling that my eyes were open but I couldn't see anything and for a 5-year-old that's scary. <laughs> so right. I had a whole, I had pretty much a whole day where I couldn't see anything. But um, I was lucky. The next day when I woke up, I could see again. Um, it's kind of blurry at first, but what had happened was my optic nerve had gotten, had been stunned mm-hmm. rather than broken or or damaged. So I was lucky. <laughs> you were very lucky. Um, Mom always calls out the day she learned how to pray. Oh, yes, as a mother, I can totally relate to that. Mm-hmm. So it, it was then how many years later that you had the other experience? It was about 12 years later. Okay. And how did that occur? Um, well, I was 17 years old. And I had I'd always been a pretty good kid. Um, I made straight A's through elementary school, and then middle school I started making some B's, and then in high school I started hanging out with um, older people that didn't go to school that did things that high schoolers just don't do. Mm-hmm. And so I was presented with a world of, that I didn't, that I wasn't old enough or street smart enough to understand. And I, because I'd always been from a really wonderful family that, that you know, we all loved each other and trusted each other. So I was a very trusting person. And I had some events happen um, because of situations that I put myself in that were very dark and one in particular uh, was with a male that was a lot larger than me um, that locked me in a car shop and turned on a loud machine so that I couldn't even hear myself talk and ordered me to do some pretty disgusting things that I didn't want to do, but I was so scared that he was going to kill me, that I just gave in and just let him do it. Mm-hmm. And after it was over, um, not only was I in pain, but I was terrified because he told me that he would, he told me not to go to the police because he had friends in the circuit and he said, you know, don't change my number because he'll find out what it is. And um, pretty much made me feel like just just terrified and oh my gosh what what have I done who is this person that I've brought in my life and 
he also told me that, you know, I, he would hurt my family if I told anybody. So he just he just was really a scary person. It sounds like And for the next two weeks, I just um, completely lost my... I just didn't want to live anymore. Mm-hmm. Because I was... I just was... Every day I thought about it, and I wanted to tell somebody, and I was scared, and I felt like I couldn't, and I didn't know what my rights were. I didn't know what... I didn't trust anybody with confidentiality because he had scared me so much. Um, so I just uh, would go to work and come home, and I was doing uh, doing some drugs that you know I would never do now. But mm-hmm. back back then, it just it seemed to kind of numb the pain and. Um, one day in particular, I went to school and had, they gave us our report cards back, and my younger brother has always made straight A's. Still in college, he still makes pretty close to straight A's. Mm-hmm. And um, I got home from work that night, and I was I was late because I stopped to hang out with some friends and totally disregarded um mom and was like, you know, I'm going to come home whenever I want and I was supposed to be home at 10 and I came home at 10.30 and she's standing in the kitchen and she's like, I really don't know what to say. Um, I'm All I can say is I am I'm disappointed and I'm going to go to bed and, um, well, you know, we'll talk about this later. I don't even have the energy for this right now. So she went to bed and when I was walking by their bedroom, daddy had already gone to bed, but I heard his voice say, um, Jordan brought home his report card today, and, and I want to see yours in the morning. And my report card had an F on it. Oh, my. And I had, that, I had never gotten, I had gotten a couple of C's and some honors classes, but I had never gotten an F. And uh, that sounds, it sounds a little bit weird to other people, how something so small could means so much to somebody, but I could not show him that. No, I can understand that. It was just, that was the end. So, I um, went and got all the, I just decided that I was like, you know, I don't want to wake up in the morning. So I went and got every pill in my house that I considered to be medicine. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't grab any vitamins or anything. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, two big glasses of water and went in my room and poured all the pills on my bed. And I went in the other room to, uh, and kissed my brother on the cheek to say goodbye to him because he's always been my best friend. Mm-hmm. And I felt I felt very guilty. But my logic at the time was, man, everybody would be so much better off without me. Yeah. I need to, I need to just go away. And everybody, even though they'll probably, you know, they'll be sad, I thought that it would be better in the long run if I just disappeared. 
And so I went back in my room and I took the pills and um, made myself lay down. And after about five minutes, I could start to feel it starting to hurt in my chest. Mm-hmm. But I, uh, I just made myself go to sleep. And this voice kept telling me, everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay while I was doing all this. And I remember as I was swallowing those pills in handfuls, it was it was easy mm-hmm. for me. It wasn't hard. I wasn't scared. I just had decided that, to do it. And I've always been somebody, if I decide to do something, I'm going to do it. <laughs> if I'm going to jump off a cliff, I'm going to jump off that cliff and, you know, even if other people find that to be a little bit crazy, I just... That's the way that I've always been. Uh-huh. So I'm. I just. I just remember the voice saying, it, "Everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay." And I closed my eyes, and I don't remember anything after that, except um, being in a bathtub and seeing, hearing running water, and seeing my knees, and then my face just flying towards my knees. Mm-hmm. Like really, really fast, and then everything going black, and I don't remember anything after that. And what had actually happened was Dad uh, found me the next morning, and Mom saw the color of I had actually um, regurgitated a little bit in my sleep. I think that's what saved me because they found me eight hours later. I took about three hundred and fifty Advil, about. 30-something Tylenol and some Bayer aspirin. Wow. And some Tylenol sinus or something. Mm-hmm. And um, Mom saw the color of the Advil and knew what it was. And um, so they, they stripped all my clothes and tried to put me in the bathtub to revive me. And then whenever I went, whenever I quit breathing, I think that's whenever everything went black, whenever I saw, remember seeing that. Mm-hmm. But um, they called the paramedics and paramedics uh, to me to the hospital and put me on life support. And I don't remember any of that, um, but I do remember uh, what what was going on in my reality. <laughs> yes. Um, and it wasn't, I can't say that it was, a lot of it is still vivid, mm-hmm. but a lot of it will remain a mystery to me. Um, how would you like me to explain that? Um, I think that, that, you know, what you're comfortable with, what what was it that you were feeling? Did you Did you have any sensation of actually being in another place, in another reality? Did you feel people around you? Okay. I I remember being in a few different places, mm-hmm. and there's there's four that are very that are very vivid, and then everything in between. I remember seeing a lot of different colors um, and moving really fast, mm-hmm. um, but. The place that, that I was at the longest 
was, I remember um, just colors and, and moving fast and then being in the presence of this light. And it was hard to explain. It, it, it didn't, it was like the sun, mm-hmm. but it didn't, it was so much more beautiful than the sun. And it was, um, it just, it's like it was drawing me towards it. It's, it's like I wanted to be near it, mm-hmm. um, but I couldn't get closer to it. I was just, and I remember I, I didn't have a body because I was just floating. And almost like if you put, like if you're, you put your arms back like the girl in Titanic when she's flying. Yeah. It was just that, like that kind of feeling, but I didn't have a body and it just felt like I was just flying. Mm-hmm. And I was trying, I was trying to get close to this light and no matter how far I traveled, I didn't get any closer. But it was, it was just a, a very, uh, like a yellow kind of light surrounded by a deep, deep blue. So the place that I was in was like a deep blue. And the only way that I can describe the way that I felt was like a like a warm blanket whenever you're cold and you've got that that security and you feel you're like, Yes, I'm warm. Uh-huh. It's cold but I'm warm right now. And it was like that kind of feeling and just like, I felt like my, I felt like there was, there was definitely no time. There wasn't any, I really didn't even have any thought. Um, and it just felt like I was exploding everywhere at once. Mm-hmm. And I just, and I felt just like in a constant state of love, like when you, when you look at somebody, something that you really love, like your puppy or your dad or something, it's, it was like that feeling times a million. And just being in that state, um, it, it's the most wonderful feeling I've ever felt. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't it wasn't just like a feeling. It was actually a state of being. It was, um, I really wish that there was a way to put it into words the way that it felt. Mm-hmm. But I just... You certainly are expressing it beautifully. It was just, it was just, it was, it was amazing. Okay. And I don't know how long I was there on this end. Mm-hmm. But there, it felt like I was there forever. It felt like I was there for years upon years. Because time was not even a question. And, um... I also remember being a a place that was uh there were there were people but they didn't look like people. Um and it was it was like if you were in a room of people and you close your eyes mm-hmm. the way that you the way that you feel everyone around you. Right. And you hear their voices. Um but you can't really see them. It was that kind of, I, I, I could see people in a different way because I didn't have a body and I didn't have eyes. Got you. So, I, yeah. 
No, I, I actually do understand what you're saying. <laughs> but I remember there being a lot of people mm-hmm. or a lot of beings that I, I really I can't describe. They did have voices, though. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were all together, and they were they were so happy. And uh, I wanted to be with them, like that popular group in high school that you want to go stand with, but you're too scared because it might tell you to go away or something. Oh yeah, I can you know, how people that. like admire. Yeah, and I remember <laughs> just looking. I just remember and being like, I want to be with them. Mm-hmm. I want to be there. And. Uh, I remember a lot of uh, things coming at me, mm-hmm. almost almost pushing me, and they were they didn't really have faces, but I could definitely feel what they were expressed trying to express to me, and they weren't dark, but they it did hurt my feelings. Mm-hmm. It's probably the most hurtful feeling <laughs> I've, I've felt. Like, I've felt some pretty painful stuff in life, but this, I remember just being so disappointed and, and not understanding why, but they were they were all coming at me all, all at once. Um, well, I'd get one face at a time, but it would be, I just remember... They'd say, uh, go back to your mommy, go back to your mommy, go back to your mommy, go back to your mommy. And it would seem like they just did that for a, a long time. They were just all coming at me, and I, and I was being thr- thrown back, like pushed backwards. Uh-huh. And uh, I was saying, why, 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 no, I want to be here, why? And it just, the, I just remember that the way that they stressed, mommy, mommy, go back to your mommy. Uh-huh. felt like they were making fun of me because I, you know, I've always called my mom mommy, <laughs> but it was like, why well, no? I want to be here, and um, after that, I remember seeing, seeing. Um, it was like I was little again, like I was like a toddler, um, it, and I remember seeing. My grandfather, mm-hmm. uh, he passed away when I was five, and I've never been able to remember him yeah. except for his funeral. I just remember being at his funeral and telling Dad to wake him up, Ugh. but I don't remember I don't remember his laugh. I don't remember what he was like, but I've always heard that he was a lot like my dad, and when I actually saw him, I thought he was my dad because he was sitting like my dad sits. He, was, he sits... Uh, the way my dad sits is if he's sitting on the edge of a chair, mm-hmm. he'll put his elbows on his knees and just kind of lean forward and kind of like move his hands when he talks a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. kind of like as a matter of fact, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember seeing this and, and thinking, Daddy, and then thinking, no, that's not Daddy. And but just just being just being in his presence. He didn't talk to me or anything, but I remember being and he was laughing and he was he was he was talking to people and he was ha- he was happy. It was like he was telling stories or something. And um 
I also remember being in a place, and at this point, I was seeing different things, but it was like lights out, lights on, uh-huh. lights out, lights on, and I was like seeing different different things, and I don't remember a lot of the images I did whenever it first happened, mm-hmm. when I first woke up, but I I do after after that best I can remember is being in a place that looked like um, mountains mm-hmm. and everything was purple with sparkles and I was just just kind of like traveling through <laughs> place with purple mountains that were sparkly and it was it was nice and I could hear my mom's music mm-hmm. and uh, I just remember thinking like acknowledging her music like oh and then I started that's after that's the last place I remember being before I started to float back into consciousness and how long were you um unconscious I was unconscious I don't know okay I remember I it it was only a, a couple of days okay um but I remember the first thing that I remember I think that happened on a on a Wednesday morning I went into the hospital and on Friday morning I remember this is I remember the first thing I remember um was like sensing light mm-hmm. Um, but I couldn't open my eyes, but just sensing that I was in a bright room. And I remember this sweet little voice saying, it's Friday morning, you're at Hendersonville Hospital. Um, you're, uh, you're, she said, you're restrained um, because you have a tube breathing for you right now. And we don't, and it has a balloon in it, and we don't want you to try to pull it out. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember thinking, no, I was, I, I, I couldn't talk, and I couldn't, like, I, I tried to move, but I remember thinking, no, it was, I was so devastated to be back in my body. Mm-hmm. It was, I mean... It makes me cry to think about it. It was the most painful thing. Oh, well, I can imagine after being in a place like that, coming back to reality, no, no matter how loving it is, it has to be painful. It has to be difficult. Oh, it was, and she, um, I was trying to tell her, no, I've been gone forever. I've been gone for and I was like, I'm not here. I'm not back here, no. And, and my uh, my body just felt like I'd been in, like I'd been hit by a train. Mm-hmm. It was it was pretty painful. Well, after after being out of body and feeling unconditional love, being back in body has to be a shock. Yeah. But I couldn't, t- I couldn't talk, I couldn't tell her, and I couldn't open my eyes either. 
But I remember just just telling her, wanting to tell her no. <laughs> that's not that's not true. You're wrong. And uh, yeah, I was not happy to be back. No, I you know most people aren't. Most people kind of think, you know, it's sort of like, how can you come back into a reality that is not unconditional love? And that's that's what you experience when you are on the other side. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's, there's always a reason we're sent back when that happens. There's something you need to do. There's something you have, you have meaning in life and there's something for you to accomplish. And certainly your life is you have much better understanding i'm sure of life as a whole now this i mean certainly initially it's it's no i don't think so and then it's all right what is it i need to do so this this clearly the thing that's interesting though is whenever i floated back in to my body it happened it happened very gradually and i remember um hearing mom's music and just kind of coming back. And when, but whenever I, whenever, it, it took me a little while to come, come to. I didn't just like wake up. Mm-hmm. But I remember, I remember seeing my brother. I remember seeing my parents and just kind of like floating in and out. And then whenever I would, and I remember, I remember whenever I actually woke up. Mm-hmm for the first time and was and knew yes I am in my body. I remember looking down and seeing the restraints and seeing the tube. Uh it was like a mask on my face. Mm-hmm. And hearing it breathing for me and seeing that I had an IV like in everything. I had IVs in my arm, IV in my toe, um, IV in my wrist and um it was just, it was very odd waking up in a hospital. You know, it, it, it's knowing that your mother is very musically inclined and very, very talented. In a way, her music provided a, a safety line for you to come back home. It did. It made me, it did make me feel very safe. And I've always felt very um, comforted whenever I listen to her music. It's, it's, it's one of the best. It's one of the best medicines. Jordan, my brother, still listens to it if he gets a headache or something mm-hmm. and, he, and he can't relax. And it'll make his headache go away. Oh, yeah. No, um, music is, is an amazing tool, instrument, gift that, that some people have. And they, they literally can cast a net, a web of, of healing and, and safety and and uh and certainly you grabbed onto a thread and followed it back and well whenever i whenever I was back though mm-hmm. and I was actually that I was breathing on my own again, and uh they helped, I was able to speak any time I closed my eyes, I could go there, mhm, I could go where I went. And I told mom, she was asking me a lot of questions, and I told her that I didn't go anywhere. I was here the whole time. I wasn't in my body, mm-hmm. but heaven, if that's what it is, or the place that I went, I didn't go up 
or down or whatever. I was I was here but somewhere else. Yeah. And whenever I closed my eyes I could see that light. Um that's you know that's for, for a while. Well that that's an amazing gift that you got. And, and yeah, I, I definitely was was uh, shown something very special, and I but it it I didn't go, I didn't have to go anywhere. Um, it, it feels I almost like I, it's like I stepped through a veil or something. Yeah, I was going to say it's, it sounds almost like a dimensional shift. Mhm. So that so that you you hit another reality for sure. And but now since then this this whole experience has to have changed your life dramatically. It it did. It did. It made me um well first of all, when I when I saw how much it hurt my family mm-hmm. at the time it was probably one of the most horrible things that ever happened to our family. Um it, it was pretty bad mm-hmm. because it, nobody nobody saw it coming. It was like I blindsided everybody because they didn't they had no idea that I ever uh, was had those bad things happen. Um, they didn't know that I felt like I had nobody to talk to. Um, and my family was like that at that time. We were at a point where we were all going through different, you know, we all had our different dramas, but we were all a family, and my dad wasn't happy with his job, my mom was, um, she was just having, we were having communication issues, mm-hmm. she didn't know what to do with me, because I wasn't, they raised me so well, and I, I was, <laughs> I wanted to break, I wanted to test every rule there was, there was a rule, I was going to find out for myself whether or not it was something I shouldn't do. Mm-hmm. And I was very hard-headed. And um, I just completely disregarded anything that she said. Mm-hmm. Even though now she's my best friend in the whole world. Um, her and my dad and my brother um, are just... And, and my, my sister Christy, they're just... We're very close, mm-hmm. and I think I think like whenever I, from an aerial view, with no time, just looking at like everything, kind of like in a timeline kind of way, I think that point, the, when that happened, it actually brought our family together. It made our family realize um, that it had gotten weak, and now seven years later, we are stronger than ever. We are tight. <laughs> well, yeah, and it sounds to me as though you, you also have a different perspective on life, that there's a greater appreciation of, of life and and family and, you know, it, a, a horrible experience, but one that led to a closeness that is profound. And, and certainly I don't think you will ever look on death the same way you used to. Mm-hmm. Well, I, um, now, right after it, I was, I was not happy and they actually put me on Prozac and stuff to make sure that my emotions were under control and that 
I wasn't a danger to myself and all this stuff, and they sent me to a, a rehabilitation center mm-hmm. um, to make sure that I, because they had found drugs in my system whenever they ran tests on my whole body um, when I was at the hospital. Mm-hmm. So um, after coming out of that and everything, I was I really wasn't a very happy person, and I didn't understand why I didn't die because everything that every everything that happened um, in in like reality I should have died. Like my parents told me that I should have died. <laughs> there's there's no question about that and um I couldn't understand why mom said mom said, you know, you have you're not finished. You yeah. still have you still have work to do here. And um, it wasn't until five years later that I really started to love life mm-hmm. and to appreciate life. And I had moved myself out to California, and I was on my own, and Real world, you know, you've got to support yourself and pay bills and work hard. And um, I was in a beautiful place because I wanted to be there. And I just, I started reading books and I started listening to, uh, first thing that changed my life was The Secret. Yeah. And then I got into all of the Abraham tapings. And then I think what changed my life the most was Conversations with God. Yeah. And I think that everybody should listen to that. I think it's just absolutely, it it changed me because I was given a gift that I didn't realize. I mean, and I had this long, I had this thing for a long time where I was like, why? Why me? I'm not that special. I'm, you know, I'm your average girl. Um, I didn't go to college. I, I'm I'm in college now at 20. You know, I went back. Mm-hmm. But I'll I, I'll get there in a second. I'll tell you how I got there. But I I pretty much learned at 22 after listening to the conversations with God, after realizing that I have control of my life. I am here because I want to be here. Once I started to own that then I realized that I'm untouchable. I can do anything that I want to do. Mm-hmm. So from 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 that point on, once I started to grow into that and started to change my thoughts to a positive way of thinking and not putting my thoughts on the negative, and I, I, I love my life. I love my life. I have moments when I'm watching sunsets or I'm watching, like, little kids play in the sand together, like, that I want to cry because I'm so thankful for my life and for the ability to be here and to be able to experience this. Because when you get, when you get to where, if, if that's where we go when we die, mm-hmm. you don't, you don't experience pain. There is no pain. So I now I am I am uh, I have a very physical job. That's very demanding, 
sometimes it is I, my body's in a lot of pain because I have to I have to st- I have to stay in really good shape. Mm-hmm. But I've learned that pain is always temporary, and that anything that you decide to do, um, you have the ability to do with your mind. It, do, it doesn't matter what your body thinks. If your mind thinks you can do it, you can do it. So I just I just love, I, I just can't even stress how um, how much looking back at that experience has helped me because I know that there's a there's nothing to fear when you die. Mm-hmm. You, the only the only thing that's sad about death is the people that are left behind because. They they remember you and they they miss you and you know you're you're not around anymore. But whenever you go, you're not looking back like oh I wish I was still alive or oh I, a car ran over me. You are that's not even you don't even look back. You you're just you go into a constant state of um of just pure love and happiness. And I have a feeling that whenever you go and it is your time that those beings that I was around welcome you and, oh, yeah. you know, embrace you and are, are happy to have you with them. But being, when you are in life, the, the pain and the happiness are all beautiful because you have the ability to, to have that contrast right? when you're alive. And that's the thing, I think that, I think that that experience gave me the most is I, I embrace pain as well as happiness, but I experience a lot less pain now knowing that I am the creator of my thoughts and that any situation that I experienced in the past that was negative, I don't have those experiences anymore because I don't allow them into my experience. I don't allow that to be my reality. I don't think that thing, bad things can happen to me because I always will the good stuff. Mm-hmm. I look at what I want, the good things that I want, and I focus upon that, and I don't focus on the crummy things. And if anything crummy comes in my path, I, I, there's always solutions. Right. And, and I always, you know, sometimes things will look bad, but I'll know that there's something good that comes out of it, and for some reason it's gotten so clear to me when things happen um, that are negative whenever it's over, there's always something good that happened for somebody else or something better came into my experience. Um, and I just, I don't, I really don't know. I, and, I, and I don't know what my purpose is. Um, I think that we all have um, lots of purposes in our lives. Um, and the only thing that I really, every day that I try to do Anything that I want to do, I, I try to do my best, A. And B, I, I love helping people. If there's any way that I can help somebody, if I'm walking out of a grocery store, or if I'm walking into a grocery store and I see somebody that needs to walk across the parking lot to put their car away, mm-hmm. I'll say, hey, I've got that. And then I'll grab their cart and I'll use it for myself and take it inside, you know. But any any way that I feel that I can help some pe- somebody, I'm going to do it because it, it makes me it, I, I just really enjoy it. Well, I, I think that you're you're an amazing illustration of of what happens with people who have this experience because 
you experienced for a brief flash of time unconditional love unconditionally and you were em embraced by it surrounded by it you were infused with it and you brought that memory back with you and that's the kind of message the kind of gift that you can give thousands of people by sharing your experience and and not only that not only sharing your experience but living your experience and and taking the lessons that you brought back with you and and living them being an illustration of of what that unconditional love can do for humanity and 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 for your fellow man i you know that's that's an amazing and amazing experience and i got to tell you um inspiring someday some day you will do something with that message that that will be profound. Um, well, I I think that honestly um it's also changed me in a spiritual way because I understood Jesus and the teachings of Jesus so much more there's there's things that if you if you look at the new testament um that he that he said are things that i experienced like heaven is on earth people just can't see it well i understood that very well and also do unto others as you would have done upon you i mean i i enjoy i feel the most alive whenever I am helping others. Mm -hmm. It just infuses me with happiness and just, you know, I love, I, I like to look at myself as a, as a very bright light. Mm -hmm. And anytime I, any, anytime I come into contact with anybody, if I pass somebody walking on the sidewalk, I'm going to look at them, I'm going to smile at them. Um, if somebody, you know, if, there, if there's ever a chance to give somebody a compliment that I notice, like if I really like their shoes or if I like their their hair or their purse, I'm going to tell them. Mm -hmm. um, and I just, it, I, I think that we are all um, special. We all have something to contribute and that we um, help each other along the way. Um, and there was a, I heard a really good song one time called We Are Each Other's Angels. I I believe that. I, I just think that we all have something to give each other. Absolutely. And, uh, and that, I just, I, I like to, I like to think of myself as a bright light that shares my light with others. Well, I, I would certainly say that you do that, and and I, I would say that uh, you're going to do it more profoundly as you get older. You're still very young, and the wisdom that you have inside of you is wisdom that most people never never even touch or find inside of themselves so what a gift you've been given in 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 an unusual way but what a gift you came back with and uh well, it, it, i'm actually so grateful that i experienced all of that in the past and that i had that negative contrast because even though i didn't go to college right when most people do right out of high school i kind of blew that out of I didn't even want to go. I just I was not in a, in a happy place inside myself, and mm -hmm. didn't really know what I wanted to major in. And I now at 24, I'm in college. I have a job that I enjoy. I help people every day with my job, and um, I I don't think that any age is ever too late to go back to college. Number one, and B, 
we we never um, are are done. You know, some people think you, you turn 30 and it's downhill after that. No, every age gets better and better. I love my 20s right now. I know that I'm going to love my 30s when I'm when I'm a mommy. I'm going to love my 40s because I'm going to be super self-realized. I'll probably want to like. I'll probably be traveling the world because I'll have the more of the means to do that. I'll have the time and the money to be able to do that. And with my 50s, I mean, just everything gets better and better and better the older you get because you become more self-realized and you are smarter and have more wisdom to be able to plug in and do the things that you want to do. Absolutely. So if you ever can't do something right now, you know that you can do it later if you work towards that. Absolutely. So I, I'm just, I'm just. I can't wait to live my life. I can't wait. I want to live to be 100 at least. At least. I take very good care of my body. I eat very healthy basically because I, I want this body to carry me. It's been through a lot. It's scars, but I am I'm more healthy now than I have ever been in my whole life. Well, you know something? The joy that comes from your voice, it's very clear and obvious that, that magic has happened and miracles have happened and and you are radiating that energy. So I'm gonna um, I'm gonna thank you, Michelle. I'm gonna turn off the tape now. Okay. And And welcome back to Matrix Radio. I'm your host, Patrick Cook, along with Barbara DeLong. You just heard an interview with uh, Michelle. Um, <clears throat> A, uh, an anonymous name we used because she preferred not to uh, reveal her identity. But uh, that was an absolutely amazing story, and it goes right along with exactly the same things that uh, all the other experiencers that have been on our show tonight are saying, and that is that, uh, well, it's just, a, it's just amazing. It's You see your body. You you rise up above your body. That's always uh, always uh, uh, the the uh, overture to what happens. Um, the um, uh, the unbelievable feeling is that you know a lot of these people have had very traumatic injuries, and they don't feel any pain. They feel. A warmth, uh, there was one man that I remember uh, hearing him say that warmth brought him a great cooling and cool cool things, cool air or whatever it was that he was feeling brought him great warmth. Um, that uh, and, and what's amazing is leaving behind your uh, family, your friends, the life that you lived. Of course, some of us would just assume get out of here anyway. Uh, but leaving all that behind without any uh, any regret and actually being very disappointed that you had to return, whatever that is must be incredibly enthralling to cause a person to go to that extreme of just simply saying, no, I just don't want to go back. I belong here, and there's a feeling of that you belong there. The feeling that you know the people that uh, are not just the people, but uh, whatever entities happen to be around you, that you have a feeling inside that you know who they are, and you know, <laughs> um, even though they're, and, and then you pass, uh, there's always a, you keep rising up and you see a, a light, sometimes starting out as a distant light, sometimes going through a tunnel, 
Uh, one man uh, called it a tube like a roller coaster that he was just ro roaming around in until he finally got to the light and he sees the light as always the light. The light is very warm. The light, uh, everybody seems to know that you must go into the light, that it's important. Uh, and uh, then uh, they meet friends, they meet pets, they meet others, other beings. Some people call them angels. Some people call them uh, just beings. Uh, sometimes beings that, are, that seem to be made out of light. Uh, sometimes solid figures. Uh, sometimes beautiful creatures. Uh, but then suddenly they are ripped right back into reality and they're told that it's not your time yet. And uh, there, there might be something to that. There, there also, Patrick, there's, there's yeah. no concept of time either. Right, right. That's very important as well. Uh, now, we have a couple of people uh, calling in. Uh, area code 21831 uh, is calling in. Uh, 831, you're on with Matrix Radio. Uh, would you like to talk? Are you just listening to the show? Hi, this is uh, Christina calling from California, and I was the caller on the um, previous right. earlier show. And right. I just wanted to say that that was a beautiful, beautiful testament of what what I what I always say is in life when things happen, whether it's an illness, a passing, um, a move, maybe somebody that you love that's really close to you simply takes another path and they're no longer in your life, um, a divorce. It, it, there, there's all kinds of things that can happen. And when you're in it, you may not feel that it's a blessing, but in my view, I really believe that everything that we go through is a blessing, whether we view it as a negative or a positive, because what happens when we come out of that situation is a complete miracle and blessing in my eyes and and like the young lady was saying i mean she's in school she's stronger than she's ever been she's she's so grateful for her life and um it was just it was absolutely beautiful and um i'm just listening in but i i really needed to make a comment on that because it, it it's so needed and i'm so um thrilled that you have the idea to um, tape that and then play it on the air, I kept thinking, wow, all these people. But um, that's a, a wonderful idea to have people come forward and share what their view and what their experience was life and what was the circumstances surrounding it and the transformation that took place within. And now yes. as a result, the ripple effect in this world. So thank you guys. I'm, I'm just listening and enjoying every minute of it. Yeah, well, that's one thing that was fascinating about that. Now, uh, Barbara did the interview, and I noticed it was about 48 minutes long, and I said, it's going to be kind of difficult to, to squeeze this in. So I started going through it and listening to it. And I went back and I listened to it again, trying to pick parts out that I could pull out of it. And I could not find a single thing. So I just said, <laughs> uh, we, uh, we fortunately uh, had uh, some wonderful uh, guests that called in and gave us their own experiences that Barbara found, by the way, which was uh, an amazing thing on your, your part, Barbara, and I'm sure uh, we could probably do this. Uh, we were actually talking about doing a show on nothing but near-death experiences. We've got such a, such a favorable response to this. But this is uh, that, that's the important thing. 
she was particularly sincere, and most especially, uh, I was very enthralled. She's obviously a very young lady. Uh, we know her. We know her mother. And um, uh, it, it was just very, very lucky that we got that interview uh, in its entirety. And especially, you know, uh, you know. go ahead. I have um, a sister who lost a 15-year-old son. It was on April 27th of 2009. And mm-hmm. her biggest, um, and it was, to, it was to suicide, and her biggest fear and worry is just always asking over and over, is he okay, is he okay, is he okay? And I've shared my experience, but after listening to this beautiful young lady share what her experience was like, I know now that I am so blessed that I can download this show and I can forward this to her, and this is going to bring her so much comfort because it was absolutely, in my opinion, the truth and so beautifully put. And I just want to thank you, Barbara, for, for, for doing this. And also, I'm, I apologize, I don't know what your name is, sir, but I'm so, glad you didn't, <laughs> I'm so glad you didn't pick anything out of it, and I'm so glad that you, you chose to share this. And um, what a blessing, and that message I know has helped so many people, myself included, because I got a lot out of that. So well, thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome, but I, I got to also say we were so overwhelmed with material when, when we started looking that next Friday we're having um, Lynn Katai on, who um, has – did the Phoenix Lights, but she also had a past life, had a past life, had a near-death experience, and it, it it affected her life as well. So next Friday is a continuation because <laughs> we couldn't put six hours together. <laughs> right. Well, I'll definitely be here, and I'm going to let a lot of people I know, uh, I'm going to uh, tell them about the show. I'm going to forward the information. Um, because I really believe it's so beneficial and will really, really touch so many lives. I was in awe. I was in awe. And um, thank you for letting me make a comment. Thank you guys so much. And I'll I'll hit mute, but um, you guys, many, many blessings, and thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Well, it's very important. That's why we're here. We're not here to... uh, to be rich or famous, there's no question about that. Mm. Well, uh, but, Patrick, we've got uh, Suzanne, who's Suzanne's in the queue too. Oh, okay. That's two hundred one. But anyway, we're here uh, uh, because of the fact that uh, that that we feel like sharing this information. There are eight. The, the only figure I was able to get is eight million people. Uh, in the United States alone that have had near-death experiences. Now, we have 5% of the population, so you multiply that by 20, and that's 160 million uh, people that have had the uh, had near-death experiences. I'm quite sure that uh, it's in every society. Of course, we don't know about it because we're pretty much stuck here in the, in the U.S. Uh, are you back with us, Suzanne? Yes, can you hear me? Yep. Yes. Oh, good. I am here. Okay. And I wanted to say also, um, earlier in the segment, you were talking about um, the new generation um, of people coming in. I wanted to say that the new generation now are these crystal children who are uh, 
amazing. And soon, one of these days, with these children coming in knowing everything that happens, they don't even have to die to know this. We have to die to, to know this information. They're coming in already knowing this. So I'm sure yeah, one day well, we're going to have a whole you know, world of people coming in that already know this. <laughs> they don't have to die right. to know it. <laughs> right. Well, um, uh, I have a, a very good friend, at least she's probably still in our chat room, uh, who is uh, my partner in my work, uh, Billy Brinkley, and she is uh, – uh, well, I, I know she's at least a second generation, what they call indigo, and she has a granddaughter uh, who is also showing those signs. And uh, I don't know, you know, I'm rather skeptical about thinking that uh, anything is new. I think we just discover things. Now, uh, perhaps this is a new thing, but uh, we don't know. Um, this may have been going on throughout humanity, that there are special children, special, well, they're, they're, these children grow up to be adults, and everyone that I've met that as adults is absolutely fascinating. Uh, they often find themselves being rejects of society. They find themselves in, uh, uh, <clears throat> they're the ones that can't possibly color within the line. It's just not in their nature to do it. They question the, uh, they, they question what's going on, and, you know, everybody says, well, anybody who questions everything that's going on around them uh, is, uh, you know, just uh, pretty much uh, an abnormality in society. But when you look at what's going on in society, uh, you wonder why everybody isn't complaining and everybody isn't against what's going on because it's very unjust. But uh, they call them crystal children. They call them star children. They call them... Uh, I, I, they, got, they go by a number of different names, but I, I basically think they're all the same thing. Uh, but uh, what's amazing about this is that it's uh, uh, all of this, uh, all of these powers that, that, that humans seem to have. Now, I don't consider what happened to to you, Suzanne, or you, Christine, uh, as a uh, 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 anything that's inherent. Uh, you got caught. Uh, perhaps in a situation uh, that could not be stopped. In other words, you. Uh, but but there's no question if you know we can presume that everybody that dies goes through the same thing. Uh, I know people have uh, people have had near death experiences that uh, haven't died. Barbara is uh, uh, knows about situations where. Definitely, we saw, the, the, not we saw, uh, the uh, the spirits were seen rising f uh, from the bodies. Many nurses, many doctors report this. Uh, so the, 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 the whole conceptualization of this is absolutely, absolutely amazing. And what you guys, uh, uh, you must have a purpose. Why would they send you back? That makes no sense. It makes no sense at all. So in other words, there's a glitch in the system. Perhaps that's where ghosts come from. Maybe they get caught somehow or another in a in a vortex, uh, or uh, apparitions in general, uh, and things like that. But it seems like what happened was, uh, and uh, was it you, Suzanne? Uh, let's see. It was uh, was was it Su uh, Suzanne? No, it was. Um, uh, well, one of the ladies said that uh, uh, she heard two words: "Not yet." Um, so that must mean that you have a that, that you have a purpose, and all of a sudden, somehow or another, fate cheated you out of it. 
and bingo, you're brought right back. That's the only thing I can figure. What do you guys think about that? My thoughts on this is that I strongly believe that I don't. First of all, I don't believe in coincidences. I believe everything happens for a reason, and I believe that my near-death experience was planned. I believe it was a seed that was planted when I was six years old, and I believe it wasn't meant for me to realize it and remember it until my spiritual awakening. It was almost like a seed that was planted. Now it's fully grown, and I remember it, and it's just more confirmation for me that that um, that the spiritual world does exist, and that I do have a purpose. Um, to, to help humanity, it just—that's what I believe. Right. Well, well, it's uh, it's amazing. Now, see, I'm 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 nothing. I I have I've got one of the largest sites uh, on the internet on UFOs, and I've never seen a UFO. Uh, I talk about uh, all these spiritual things, the ghosts and uh, the whole nine yards. I've never seen one, never experienced one. The only thing that convinces me that, that it's real is that it is so prevalent that there are so many, you know, if one or two people are talking about this or that or the other thing happening, uh, then you can, what you can do is you can surmise that perhaps it's not really true. But when millions of people uh, say that they have passed over to the other side, turned around and come back, uh, there's no question in my mind that that's exactly what happens to everybody. Uh, and we, you know, I just read uh, a verse right out of the Bible, and, and uh, I, I want to say I am a biblical theologian, but I'm a comparative theologian, and I believe that this concept, the concept that we actually leave our bodies, don't go to any place to be condemned or rewarded, we just join the cosmos, basically. And uh, what's amazing about it is that it seems to be a universe, it's not just an earthly thing, it's not just a human thing. It seems that once, once, uh, and I don't know whether this happened to either one of you, but it uh, it seems that you feel a oneness with everything, and it's not it's not restricted to this planet or just near around you. That you feel like that you can see a broader whole. While uh, it, it seems to be unlimited, that it just goes on forever, and that's uh, what I've what I've noticed. Many people report in their sightings. Uh, not sighted in their uh, experiences. That is very true. I do feel a oneness and a connection with everything, not just people, even plants, animals, nature, everything. Right. It just goes on right. and on. And uh, the the uh, 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 panoramic, I believe it's called panoramic uh, memory, um, uh is uh, when your life flashes before you. And one of the interesting things was one of the, I don't know whether it was one of the, uh, you know, I've heard so many of these, and they're all so similar. <laughs> it's very hard to make distinction between one and the other. Uh, and what, what she said was that <clears throat> her life passed before, oh, no, it was I believe it was a recording, her life passed before, but it wasn't, she didn't see people. She didn't see things. She actually saw the essence of her life passing before her. Did you guys have uh, uh, any anything uh, similar to that happen? Uh, mine just happened so quickly. All all I knew was that I wasn't I wasn't myself. I wasn't the personality that I was when I was in body. I I was just mm -hmm. that love. I was I was just that love 
feeling. That was me. That was who I was. And I just encompass, encompassed everything and everyone. I was that essence. I didn't right. see it. I felt it. Well, uh, it's interesting. I don't know how Barbara feels about this, but uh, we did a lot of research on this. Barbara did the interviews, so she's probably a little bit less uh, in awe than I am uh, because <laughs> she actually uh, she did it in real time. But I am just uh, enthralled by uh, by the whole concept. Uh, so uh, why I wonder uh, is it not more of a uh, a, a subject for you see. Again, I get back to the thing. Just imagine if, if, uh, if and they are studying it. Uh, I put a link in the uh, uh, in the chat room on, a, on an article called "What Happens When We Die" about a study uh, between a hundred over a hundred universities and medical centers. And and what it is, uh, this study uh, is called the Where. Uh, it's. Uh, something about resuscitation, cardiac resuscitation. And what it was was a number of doctors and nurses came together. And what's amazing about this is that I don't know whether uh, either one of you uh, were able to recount it immediately what happened. But, you know, the typical thing is is that somebody will flatline, and uh, they, all, they made it all the way down to the morgue, uh, getting ready to be chilled. And... Um, uh, all of a sudden, they'll wake up, and they will be able to tell uh, the doctor which golf course he uh, course he was going to after he left. What his uh, that, that about that expensive pair of shoes she bought? Tell the orderly uh, know that the orderly was worried about uh, his girlfriend and everything like that. Conversations that were going on in the room uh, in front of what they thought was a dead body. And this happens, uh, you know, it, it's not just two minutes or three minutes. It's 15 minutes, 20 minutes, an hour, up to four hours. We had a story just the other day, uh, Barbara, and I believe that was a three-year-old, wasn't it? Yes, uh, yeah. He was four he, hours? Uh, huh? He was four hours dead? Yeah, he was dead for four hours. Uh, he was. Uh, he fell through the ice, and uh, uh, they say the reason that he survived was that, uh, that he... Uh, uh, his body uh, temperature, his core temperature went down very fast, so he was able to, uh, but he came out saying he saw Granny. <laughs> well, he, he, said he, he said his grandmother sent him back. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely amazing stories that come out of this. So it's well, children. You know, you know yeah. Patrick, a, a lot of what's, what's going on is that, that mainstream everybody has not been open to hearing these stories for they've probably happened for generations right. but but people have been afraid to talk about them for fear they'd be, be put in a rubber room so today um it, with a new time frame a new mind frame f- from the public people are are easier with sharing and of course giving them a platform like this where where several of them can come on and talk so that they know they are not alone <laughs> is a great yeah. thing. Right, and more people are questioning this. People that wouldn't have been open normally are now saying, well, you know what? 
so many people are saying the same things or having these same experiences from all over the world. Maybe there is something to this, and they're willing to at least listen now. Well, now, here's an interesting uh, story that I discovered in this. This is called Fiesta de Santa Maria, uh, excuse me, uh, Fiesta de Santa Marta de Rivertine. And uh, this is a story. Every year in Las Nieves, Spain, people who have suffered near-death experiences in the previous year get together to attend Mass in celebration of St. Marta de uh, Rivertine, the patron saint of resurrection. Uh, now, <laughs> they have, uh, they actually have a festival on near-death experiences. Uh, and uh, it's amazing uh, the number of people that have been through this. Uh, I found an interesting story on Kelsey Grammer, uh, who uh, uh, had a near-death experience. And uh, he called it his return to the great white way. Uh, and uh, so uh, this, uh, and this is consistent throughout society. If we can cross this barrier, if we can get through this, uh, and, and, and like I say, uh, we have been dealing with the paranormal for thousands and thousands of years. And science, well, science is fairly, uh, a fairly new thing. Uh, uh, especially in the in, in the way that we see it now, and what has happened uh, is that uh, people have put their foot down and said, "Okay, you know, uh, you can be." Uh, the, 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 a famous story that I heard was uh, about a uh, a woman who woke up and claimed and started talking about a near death experience, and the doctor told her. Well, I'm sorry, sweetheart. That was just uh, a mental reaction. It's all in your head. Uh, and so he left the room, and the nurses gathered around her and said, No, darling, that's not in your head. We see patients having that all the time. And so uh, the, what has happened is they finally had enough of it, and they want to know what's going on. So they've even gone to the extreme now of painting, now get this, painting pictures on the floor of recovery rooms and surgery rooms uh, so that a, if a person does claim, you know, of course, you're generally flat on your back. Uh, you can't see anything uh, except the ceiling, which is the way you go anyway. And so what they've, what they've done is they've, they've found uh, that people can actually recall minute details in pictures that are drawn on the floor, uh, even though they didn't even know they were there. Obviously, they had no... Uh, uh, they had no idea that, that that was going on. And so if they can uh, get – now, the, 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 the general line – let me tell you what the general line is now. Um, now, they believe – I don't believe that near-death experiences are anything new. I, I think that this has been happening for thousands of years. Uh, at least um, uh, it's not a, a new phenomenon. And uh, uh, so, so basically what's happening – uh, is that they're saying that climate change has raised the CO2 level in the atmosphere. And what you ladies went through was you were actually intoxicated. You were starved for oxygen because of the CO2 in the uh, – uh, and, 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 and that was what you, you got high on carbon dioxide. And basically uh, it, it was just a, a drug – basically a drug-induced stupor that you were in. 
I don't know how they can be so similar with that. But that's the standard line now. That's, that's the story that's out this week. Uh, they'll come up with something new. But if these scientific evaluations come together, uh, and, and science is, is going to have a hard time swallowing this because I guarantee you the last thing they want to they want to admit that there's that there's more to life than just uh, what we see during this short 80 to 100 year period that we live on the well, planet. I, I asked my doctor about it because I happened to be in there last week and I told her we were doing a show on this and I said you know <clears throat> what 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 do you from a medical situation what do you feel about this and she said we don't talk about it because the insurance doesn't cover it and i said <laughs> and i said well okay medicare doesn't cover a near-death experience okay but what do you think and she said it's so real it's unbelievable she said of course it happens and and we have no explanation and when you have no explanation then you deny and and if you don't have a good enough explanation, you, desi- you deny it even harder. She said the reality is we can't explain it, so we ignore it. Yeah. Well, uh, I think it's time that we stopped ignoring it. Uh, uh, and, uh, you know, with science, I don't know exactly how science is going to deal with it. They take everything and basically run it through a mill. Uh, uh, bottom line is, is what, what has happened? Uh, there's, there's a serious problem with science. Uh, science, uh, they don't call them pigeonholes, but they call them criteria. And everything that needs to be explained must fit into a certain level of criteria. If you can't see it, taste it, smell it, and touch it, it doesn't exist because you have no way to measure it. Science has to measure everything. And if you can't measure it, it can't exist. So they're stuck in a physical world. They've got blinders on, and they're watching a movie that uh, that, that just leads them in one direction, that, that they, they, they can't go on either side of, of any parameters. So we're pretty well stuck. Now, they, they, if they get through this, then maybe they can start uh, uh, studying some other more, uh, more important things, except I think that this is probably the most important thing you could, uh, uh, could study. Uh, and uh, it's interesting, near-death experiences in a Boolean search, I mean, specifically for that concept, uh, comes up with 767 hits. And uh, uh, yeah, here's, a, I just typed in, in the news, it's a near-death experience explained by high levels of CO2. Um, uh, and uh, 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 they don't take uh, they really don't take it seriously at this point. But, of course, we do, and uh, I, I think that what we have, have done, bottom line, is discover the mystery to the afterlife. Not we haven't discovered it. You guys <laughs> discovered it. Told us about it. <laughs> well, I think it's one of them. I think there are probably many. And, and, and when you find one new road, you can almost be assured that there are many others as well, but but it, it's it's the acceptance of the general population into the difference, different way of looking at things that's so important. And, and once you get people accepting this concept, and they don't have to totally believe it, they have to just listen. You know, I don't think anybody's looking to convert anyone. They just want people to give it a chance to sink in. Yeah. 
And they're doing it. Uh, they're doing it on uh, TV. They're bringing their experiences to the booth too. Um, uh, I'd love to see a movie made about this. Has there been? Does anybody know whether there have been any movies that have been made um, uh, about? I do know of one. Which one? I don't know if you have you heard of Daniel Brinkley, very famous man who had yes. three near-death experiences and wrote several books. There was a made-for-TV movie um, about his books, about his near-death experience, Saved by the Light. Uh, and that was, on, that was a made-for-TV movie. I'm trying to think of when that was, when that was out. It was a little while ago. Um, but it showed his, uh, his near-death experience. And it was Julia Roberts' brother. Um, I forgot his name. Um, but he played Daniel Brinkley. And it was actually on TV. I remember the yeah. title. Yes, Saved actually, by the Light. Actually, the book, uh, I'll put a link into the uh, um, into the chat room of the Amazon um, uh, uh, the book is available on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, and and his uh, anyway, experiences uh, were very very detailed. He actually, you know, went through the tunnel and actually saw the Council of Elders. He had his whole uh, life review while he was uh, in spirit there and, and saw all of the things that he did and he felt whatever he did to someone else that was negative, he actually felt that in his life review. And when he came back down, he, he now works um, – I forgot what the oh the Twilight Brigade is. Um, he works at a hospice, and what that is is he sits at the bedside with um, people that are dying in the hospice and just talks to them and supports them and tells them about life on the other side. He changed his whole life because of his near death experience, and now he's uh, he's delivering service to humanity, mm-hmm. helping thousands. He amazing, and he died three times, came back. Yeah, the the movie was made in 1995, mm-hmm. and it's a great rating. Yeah, and uh, quite a quite a good cast, as far as I can see. Uh, absolutely fascinating. I think I'll try to watch that if I can find it somewhere. Yeah, I saw a bit. Uh, I think you could see bits and pieces of it on YouTube. I don't know if they have the whole movie up, but I I saw some of it on YouTube. Mhm. It was amazing. Oh, this is interesting. Yeah, he was on so, his way down to the morgue you. also. He, yeah, he had been dead for, I think it was an hour or so, something like that. 28 minutes. Mm. And, um, Patrick, clinically speaking, clinically speaking, how long does it take before the brain supposedly starts to die? As soon as your heart stops beating, you have 10 seconds before your brain dies. And, all activity brains will cease. And yet all these people who die and come back who have been die who have been pronounced clinically dead, even if they came back, theoretically they should have brain damage, right? Oh yeah. Well that's what's amazing about this. Uh, there's obviously nothing no damaged brain cells in the uh, people that we've been speaking to. Exactly. Uh, there are very articulate, and the enthusiasm, what blows me away, is the enthusiasm they have for the subject that they have. Now, I don't know uh, uh, either Suzanne or Christine, uh, 
Do you often get to speak about your experiences outside of a venue like we have provided here? Um, I actually didn't speak about it. Um, I didn't feel comfortable speaking about it because I didn't know what people were going to think. Um, but it was funny. When I saw Barbara's invitation, I said, you know what? Something inside me said, now is the time. I need to do this now. And oh, wow. once I did it, I feel very confident now. I feel very fulfilled inside that I actually did this. And I would love to speak about it all the time now. I <laughs> mean, it just made me feel good. I feel like I, I helped someone. I, I felt like I had to get this message out. Well, you know, I, I, I said to Patrick earlier today that, that the response has been so phenomenal. Someone, not me, but, but someone should, should start a blog talk radio program to provide a platform for people who have had this experience to gather in, to talk, to talk to each other, to see, you know, what their similarities are, to see how they're helping humanity. I think, you know, Blog Talk Radio is fabulous. You can do a, a show for free, for heaven's sakes. It, you know, put put yourself out there. I mean, come on, it's a that great idea. A great idea, it really is. It's a great idea. I feel very if, comfortable and confident now. <laughs> if you if you need any help walking yourself through setting something like that up, call me and we'll do it. Oh, thank you. We'll do. Well, also, uh, like uh, Barbara says, we're going to do another show again on Friday, and we'd really uh, enjoy it if you join us then. Oh, wonderful. Um, I definitely will. Yeah. Uh, we could, uh, you know, I don't think there's going to be any end to the interesting to the interest in this because the, the profoundness of what, uh, of what this uh, pretends uh, for the human race I, you know, of course, um, I, I have a view that uh, I definitely will be passing on uh, to a higher level. I know Barbara feels the same way. Uh, and uh, uh, Billy Brinkley, my uh, uh, partner in my work, feels the same way that we're going to go. But to think uh, that now we have a uh, – I've, I've, I've talked about it in a peripheral way. I've you know, uh, thought about it. I haven't thought about it in, in uh, I'll have to admit, I haven't thought about it in, 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 in as serious or in-depth a way uh, as I do now listening to you all, even though I listen to uh, your conversations with Billy, uh, with, excuse me, with Barbara uh, during the interview, uh, interviews that she did with you, uh, and still, uh, uh, having heard those, but hearing it again, you know, and 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 it's always in a different way, uh, is absolutely fascinating. And I want to thank you for being so so uh, straightforward about it and upfront. Uh, and and I guess uh, it's important to have this outlet. Uh, there are organizations around. Uh, that uh, like NDE, let's see, I, uh, where is the where are my notes on that? Uh, the uh, uh, the big one is nderf.org, uh, nderf.org. Uh, wait, excuse me, that's not the uh, the uh, the inter well, let's see, the Internet Association. Yeah, that is Near Death Experience Research Foundation. That is the uh, the one. Uh, and, God, it, uh, 
did you, uh, uh, when it happened to you, Suzanne, were, were you aware that such a phenomenon existed? Um, I, I don't know. When it did happen to me, I, I felt very comfortable. It felt very normal. So I think as a child, we're all connected to the other side. I think all children are. Everybody has been, and they kind of grow out of it when we start, you know, getting our belief systems and listening to what other people have to say. But I think there definitely was a familiarity there. Like, I, like I knew like this was something that was that had happened to me before, and that it was just familiar to me. Right. As a child, I knew that, and then as the memory came back, you know, 30 years later, I'm thinking. Then I was like, wow. That really happened to me. This really exists. So I think that aha moment was 30 years later, not actually when it happened. I was fine with it then. It was kind of 30 years later, like, wow, this happened. <laughs> and I figured out what it was, a near-death experience. Yeah. Yeah. Um, see now, you didn't actually go to the hospital, correct? So Christina or, or Suzanne? Okay. Just yeah, well, Suzanne is along with us. You, Suzanne. Oh, okay. Sorry. So me. <laughs> no, I actually did not go to the hospital. The strange thing was when I found myself standing outside the Whirlpool tub there, I was totally fine. I was – that was – I thought about that. I wasn't choking. I wasn't spitting up water. I was completely fine. Mm-hmm. There was nothing wrong. It was, it was amazing. And I believe that that man that I had seen, I believe that was – my guardian angel, because I, after doing some research, I noticed that guardian angels or any kind of angels, sometimes they take human form to help, and I think mm-hmm. it took human form to kind of help me to snap out of it to say, okay, this is what you need to do. You need to go to your parents now. What, what, what just happened was great, but now you need to, you know, snap back into reality. You're back. You got to go and do what you got to do now. So, no, I was actually fine physically, which was very interesting to me, because after you drown, you shouldn't be. <laughs> you should at least have to be resuscitated or something. But, no, I, I came out of it totally fine. I have a question. Mm-hmm. Do you do you sometimes look in crowds to see if you can find that man? You know, I have a very clear picture of him in my head, and I'm sure if I did see him, he would stand right out to me. I would be looking for him, I think. <laughs> you know, he might pop in. You never know. <laughs> but I know if I if I do see him, I, I would know it in an instant, a split second, I would know it. Do you know anybody else uh, that has uh, personally that has had a, a near-death experience? Personally, no. Just... I, I, I never did. I, I didn't meet anybody personally. I had just been doing some research and you know, found Daniel Brinkley and found some people that, that have been talking about it for many years. But, but then um, again, let me, ask, let me ask another question. Mm-hmm. Uh, did anybody know that you'd had a near-death experience? <laughs> no, uh, no one did. So no? so the whole point is is that uh, uh, you could have met dozens, if not hundreds of people throughout your life that have gone through the same thing you have but had the same hesitance of talking about it or just simply didn't think that it was that important. Of course, uh, would you say that that's the most profound experience you've had in your entire life? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Think- uh, it was a gift. It was. It's the gift that keeps on giving because when times get tough or things get hard, I think 
I just think about that, all the love that that I was, and and it just makes me stronger. It's just I can't believe that it actually happened to me, and I and I keep thinking this gift was given to me. I need to give it back to the world. Yeah, and well, every day uh, I wake uh, up and I think, what can I do to to help someone today? That's well, that's that's a good thing. Uh, Michelle said the same thing, did she not, uh, Barbara? Yes, she did. She. That- she goes out of her wa- she goes out of her way to to do random acts of kindness which which well, I that's, think that's, that's not what I was talking about what I was talking about was that she uh, and yes that is a consistent thing through uh, throughout the the uh all the experiences uh that I've heard about but that she she goes back to that time uh to cut for comfort oh uh, yeah think about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that's uh, that's absolutely amazing. Uh, and and uh, what uh, uh, what uh, you know, you and I have talked about it. Billy and I have talked about it. We've tried to figure out: is there anything in the human experience that has such consistency? I uh, had a situation that happened to me. Uh, I was uh, uh, dealing with a, a lawyer, and we were in a Lawyer's Bar in Phoenix, Arizona. I can remember the name of the bar. It was called Under Three. And in that bar were judges, lawyers, police officers, state sheriffs or state marshals. Uh, there were a couple of FBI agents in there, and I think there was one Secret Service guy that was uh, uh, was attached to the Secret Service there in Phoenix when it happened. And uh, I don't know whether you guys remember it all. I, I presume you do. When we had streakers. People that would run through public areas naked. Well, this bar got streaked, and I just happened to be there when it happened. Uh, I didn't see much of anything. They just it, was, it just happened so fast. They ran in the front, the, the front door and ran out the back. Uh, and somebody decided to call the police about it. Uh, and it turns out that one of my uh, my my attorney knew one of the police officers. And after he he uh, uh, got all the the witness testimony about what it was. Uh, he called him over and he says, well, what what, what happened? Because we didn't really see it. And he said, let me tell you something, son. <laughs> he said, I've got some of the, some of the, the, there are people in this bar that are, are trained for years to be excellent observers. And I guarantee you not one person in this bar told me the same story. And that's in real life. They cannot even get it right when there's 30 or 40 people looking at something happening and they Still can't get. They still can't agree on what happened. But so so the 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 phenomenon of the uh, the phenomenon of the near death experience has within itself, by its very nature, another phenomenon that is not known in anything that I know of, any paranormal. Uh, anomalous things, or any anywhere else on the planet, that it that it is absolutely consistent. And like I said, uh, I got five people I'm talking to, and said, "Do any one of you disagree on this? You can't get two people to the same room that'll agree on uh, much of anything at all. But you got like five people that are all agreeing. And then you add to that all of the other things that we have studied." all of the videos that I watched and all the experiences uh, that I've heard about over the years. I've gone through this for uh, many years. I've, I've, I've been seeing this phenomenon pass through my world 
and never really considered the importance of it, and yet I cannot think of anything that anybody else said that they disagree with. Now, there's a few yo-yos out there uh, that claim they went to hell and they saw hell, uh, and they went to heaven and they saw heaven. Uh, but that's just, uh, you know, that's just, uh, that doesn't fit with the whole thing, so I just presume that it's just a Christian, a Christian kind of thing. Now, one thing that I was, um, uh, that I was a little bit worried about that I expressed to Barbara, uh, was that I'm worried about, uh, the church hijacking, uh, this concept, uh, and I've seen, uh, a few articles, uh, where they are, uh, attempting to use this, uh, to prove that there's a God. Now, the, it, it, it makes no difference to me what anyone feels their God is or what their, their God is about. I just don't want you shoving it down other people's throats, and I don't like the idea that you're making a whole bunch of money doing it. That, um, and that's one of the things, and especially, uh, the intolerance and the, um, uh, the, 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 the general attitude of, uh, of the church itself. Uh, uh, but what I'm, what I'm worried about, and that's, this is just a personal, uh, a personal concern on my part, that they're going to use it to fill that, uh, that place. You see, they have to, they have to deal with it, of course. Uh, probably, I guarantee you, the, uh, the, the single source that probably knows the most about near-death experiences is the Catholic Church. Because uh, people are encouraged to, con- to to speak to their priest about anything that happens. Priests want to know what's going on, and so they make sure that they they uh, that their parishioners are open to them, uh, and they have confessions and things like that. And they certainly learn a lot about what's going on. So I'm sure that the Republic would love to get a hold of the Vatican. I'm sure the Catholic Church has done a uh, a study on near death experiences, and I'd like to see what their opinion of it is. We should get a priest on. That would be interesting, yes. Do we know any priests, Barbara? Sure. <laughs> okay. Uh well, I don't know I don't know exactly uh exactly how that would how that would go. Um actually I can uh, I can check right now um to see uh the new advent is the Catholic Encyclopedia. And I'll see if they have anything about it. I didn't think there. Uh, I didn't think of looking at that. Well, you know, uh, Patrick, the the way that that I I found these wonderful people was I posted it on Facebook. Yes. And there are lots of priests and nuns who have Facebook accounts. Yes. So we could just yes. try doing that. Get right on it. I'll do it now. <laughs> okay. Let's see. Uh, okay, I'm looking, I'm looking. Nope. They do not discuss it. It goes from Nazarite to Nebo. Uh and that's it. So the Catholic Church has nothing to say about it, and uh, that's rather disappointing uh, because I know they hear about it. If if uh, we hear about it, uh, Brian L. Weiss, I know that name. 
Yeah, okay. We'll take that under consideration, Spente. Thank you. Um, uh, do you know who he's talking about, Barbara? No, but I'll find out. Oh, is that Brian Weiss? He wrote the book Many Lives, Many Masters? Oh, it's a great book. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah, that is a fantastic book. Yes, he talks a lot about Uh, past life regression. I've got his website. So, uh, yeah, well, we'll definitely uh, definitely consider that. Um, See if we can get in touch with Mr. White and see if he wants to uh, come in. Now, Let's see. Uh, Spin Dave, do you know whether he's had a near-death experience? Why do you recommend that we get in touch with him if you don't mind telling us? Oh, many, many Lives, Many Masters, Patrick, is a book that deals with um, with it to a certain extent. Oh, okay. That's interesting. More, more like reincarnation, well, actually, but yeah. Right. All right. Well, uh, we've only got about 20 minutes left. Uh, one of the things that uh, that we're uh, thinking about doing, and I think we're going to do that hopefully on, oh, let's see, when did we figure we could do that, Barbara? Monday. A show on the oil spill and the environment in general? That was Monday. Monday. Okay, well. Uh, At least at our last see. conference. Uh, hopefully we'll be able to get Billy uh, to come into the show. Uh, I think we're going to try that on Monday and get a show out on what's happening in uh, New Orleans. Uh, that's a real serious, serious thing. Uh, you remember I was asking you, Barbara, there's something else that was going on that, that this thing just sort of overshadowed. Uh, it was the volcano. Oh, um, yeah, you remember the volcano? What happened to that? Well, apparently there's more happening with that as well. Uh, but uh, this, uh, uh, the whole thing uh, about uh, one of the things, you know, we were talking about, uh, I hate to change the subject so much, but this is an interesting lead into what we're going to be talking about. Uh, 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 They do have shutoff valves uh, attached to those wellheads. And um, what they are is big handles that have to be turned. Uh, you know, you have to physically send somebody down to turn them off and on. And the uh, government uh, tried, uh, has been trying for years to get BP to put automatic remote. In other words, uh, it's something that's not on the rig, but something that's away from the rig that can be activated uh, automatically to shut that wellhead down. And BP actually resisted it and got away with it. And uh, have not uh, have not done that, and that's what uh, um, uh, is happening right now. And uh, the uh, the thing that that's important, um, we and and I think uh, Suzanne will probably agree with us that one of the most important things that we need to do, and especially with the understanding of the revelation that that she has, is that we are stewards of this planet, and we need to take care of it. And you know you can be as spiritual as you want, but you don't have if you don't have any place to live, it's not going to do you a whole lot of good. Uh, you might as well just go ahead and pass over them. And uh, the the destruction that we're doing to our planet, uh, the wars that are going on in our society now, 
uh, we've got like uh, there's there's something like six major wars going on, things that you never hear about that are happening. Uh, we've got uh, a, a lot of injustices being done with people, but but then again, the the society is fighting back. Uh, there are massive demonstrations against the harsh immigration laws uh, in the state of Arizona right now. Uh, they are marching on Washington D.C. and and uh, uh, New York. There was a big uh, march complaining about how, about these greedy corporations. That and uh, if you look at all of this, I mean, what's causing the environmental disruption down in Louisiana? A corporation. What's uh, what's uh, brought our country to its knees economically? A corporation. So we. Uh, uh, that's one of the things that we focus on. That it's it, it, it's not just the corporation. Um, in the corporation, in all corporate charters, there is a law. Uh, that basically, it's the only thing that is consistent throughout all corporate charters that the uh, board of directors is supposed to look out for the stockholders and to make sure that their stocks increase. And uh, uh, so they're under pressure. Uh, that's that's how they're raised now. Um, it would be nice if they did, didn't exist. I would just as soon have a world without money. That's one of the things that I have, have been preaching for years and years and years, uh, that we can certainly do, you know, if we learn how to, how to share. When we're children, it's what's amazing is that when we're children, and every one of us, I know every one of us, everybody that's listening to me was taught it by somebody sometime in the past that it's good to share things with other people. And you're taught to do that. And they put it through you too, until you get to uh, the real world and all of a sudden it ain't, it ain't that way. You're, you don't share anything. You, the, the, the game is really simple. You are... You are supposed to be a good worker bee for the corporation and a good customer of the product that that corporation comes out with. And uh, the, 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 the more you're able to play that game, the higher your credit score. And, of course, you never want to do anything with cash. You always want to get yourself in debt up to your ears so they can charge you much more than, you know, you go out. Buying something on sale with a credit card is the dumbest thing I ever heard in my life. It makes no sense at all because they're going to get you on the interest. They're going, to, they're going to get you from that standpoint. And then, while this is all going on, while you're playing this game, you're also playing another game, and it's called Get As Many Toys As You Can Before You Die. Uh, and uh, we are trained that way from, from childhood. It is a consistent, uh, this dog-eat-dog, -dog, this cutthroat thing that we see going on, where um, you know uh, we uh, we see these corporations uh, talking openly in their emails and in their phone conversations about how how good it is to be greedy and how uh, they were laughing as our economy was imploding. They were laughing their butts off and having a good time. And then here we go when we bail out these. Uh, uh, Goldman Sachs is such a classic example of that. They, and fortunately, the government has a criminal investigation going on right now, they are actually, they are reporting the highest income in the, in, in the history. They're moving right up there with Exxon and Mobil with these record-breaking 
quarterly dividends, uh, these quarterly profit statements, and they, they have the gall and audacity to take the public's money. They still haven't paid us back what they, what they uh, borrowed, even though they, they, you know, they sort of give an indication that they have, but they still haven't done that. And they are offering, they have set aside $5 billion in bonuses for their top executives. And uh, they are, you know, the, the bailout work, they're all rich and they're all happy and everything like that. Meanwhile, we have the highest unemployment since the Depression. It, we're coming out of it, but it's not going to be the same. It's never going to be the same. The American dream is gone. The American dream of being able to own as much as you can of those toys that we were talking about, gathering all those toys together, they won't even be able to play that game anymore. Now, that to me is not necessarily a bad thing. I'm very glad that people are seeing the hard side of life. Uh, I uh, live in virtual poverty simply because of the fact that uh, I am more dedicated to the human race than I am to my, I don't have a bunch of toys. Um, uh, I, I, I keep it, I live as simply as possible. And uh, I don't believe that everybody else should do that, but it's just, it's just my choice. I just assume I've been rich. I've been um, uh, in the upper crust of society. And uh, uh, I guarantee you that's one place that I didn't want to stay. I got out of there real quick. So the, the, sim the simple life, the spiritual life actually uh, trying, to look at every, trying to look at everybody, and it's very hard. I'm, and I don't say for one minute that I'm successful at it. I don't say that I'm a, I'm a good guy. I am, I am no better than anybody else. I, I, have, uh, I make all the mistakes. I, I have all the wrong thoughts. Uh, I, I am very vulnerable to temptation. Uh, but uh, uh, if we just tried... To, and, and, and somebody just said it. I, I, I'm part of a uh, community food service security, a food security project here in Berkeley. And uh, while the recording was playing, I went over, and uh, we were talking about what was going on in the streets. I live in a very rough neighborhood, and we were talking about what was going on in the streets. And um, uh, somebody said, "Well, can't we all just get along? I mean, it'd be nice if we could all just get along." And those were the words of Rodney King. Uh, now, this is a guy who was a, a criminal. He was uh, he had a bad attitude. Uh, he, he provoked. He probably provoked the cops uh, in some way, but you know he certainly didn't deserve the treatment he got. And after all of that, and after all the rioting and things like that, he was very sorry. He was sorry that he had caused so much so many problems, and he went on TV and he made a statement, well, can't we all just get along? And people made fun of him. People made him look like a yokel. And I guarantee you, you have never heard such profound words in your life. That's exactly what we should, we, we should all try to do is, if nothing else, just get along. Say, smile. You know, uh, I, I, I try to make it a habit of saying hello to everybody that I pass on the street. And it's absolutely amazing. I venture to guess that 85 to 90 percent of the time, I get no recognition at all because we are trained to ignore our fellow man. And not until we come to that point where we can look at, at, at our fellow man as family, 
just like we look at our brothers and our sisters and our mothers and our fathers, uh, and until we come to the point where, just as Martin Luther King said, it is not the color of your skin but the, the strength of your character that's important. And uh, it's, uh, we, we need to get to that point and we need to, uh, we need to start taking care. It is a, it is a, it is a, a crime against humanity that I can count to four. One, two, three, four. And somebody has died on this planet from starvation, not because we don't have enough food, but because our distribution, there's plenty of food to feed the people on this planet, but the distribution is wrong. I can count to six, and that number six will be a child that died of starvation. Uh, we have uh, tens, it's estimated that 10 million people are on the move right now uh, on the planet somewhere trying to find, because, because there's famine, uh, they're trying to find food. They're moving into the cities, and that's what's happening. Our corporations have taken over our farmland and kicked the people off, and now all these people are coming into our, into our cities. Eleven of the 18 major cities in the world are right on the coast in dangerous zones, um, just like what's going on on the Gulf Coast. Well, the, the oil still is going to get them now, but, uh, you know, it's, it's estimated that nothing will be cleaned up, and then the hurricanes are going to come in. So it's a, uh, it's and and if I had my way, every single person on the planet would have to have a near death experience before they're twenty. <laughs> well, and I, I I'd like to say too um, on that note. Uh, the American dream and, and owning sports cars and mansions, that's all an illusion because when you die and you're on the other side, the only questions that are asked of you, first of all, your pure love. So how many sports cars you drove or that you owned it means nothing. The, the, from what Daniel Brinkley had said when he had his life review, they asked him two questions. Number one, how did you treat your fellow human being? And the other question was, uh, what did you do to serve humanity? And those were the questions that were asked of him. It did, they didn't ask how much money did you make and, and how many corporations did you own. It, that, that means nothing. It's all an illusion here. That's not, the, that's not what's important. It's how we treated each other and how we served each other and how we made the world a better place. That's what matters. Yes, yes. Uh, and even something as simple, even something as simple as, uh, you know, one of the things that you hear is just do a single random kindness for somebody every day. Um, uh, and, and just something that simple uh, is, is, is very important. I heard a wonderful story where this woman was in a post office, and uh, she was in line, and she had noticed this woman that looked very sad, um, so this other woman actually just looked at her and gave her a smile, just a one-second quick smile. And it turned out that that woman walked up to her and said, you know what, I was mailing the suicide note to my family. I was going to go home and kill myself. But you smiled at me, and you made me feel like I, I should stay here, that I, that I was worth something because you smiled at me. Can you imagine what one second of smiling at a stranger can do? You have no idea how many lives you can change by just doing that. 
Oh yeah, yeah. Well, people, you know, people do 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 respond. Um, unfortunately, not enough response. Uh, and one thing that's important: it takes 132 muscles to frown. It takes three muscles to smile. That's amazing. <laughs> so, well, we're coming to the uh, to the end of the show, Suzanne. I want to thank you very much. Um, for being with us, uh, you've certainly certainly given us some great insight. Uh, we will have uh, uh, we are going to do a show hopefully on Monday. Uh, it'll be called Spill Baby Spill uh, to get down to the bottom of what's happening with this uh, with this environmental degradation that's going on on the planet. There's many more things to talk about besides the spill. And then uh, Barbara, when is your next show coming up? Uh, that would be Monday night. That's Nightlight on Blog Talk at 11 o'clock at okay. night. Okay. And, and then we will have a continuation of uh, our conversations on near-death experiences on Friday, and hopefully you will join us, Suzanne. Yes, and, and I uh, don't have any kind of website or anything, but if anybody's out there listening that just wants to talk or has any questions, please I feel free. You can send me an email. I'm at love and light heals at gmail.com. I would love to take the time out and, and chat with you or help you in any way that I can. I would love well, to Well, go ahead and post help. your, uh, are you in the uh, chat room? I was, but my computer just died. <laughs> okay. <laughs> i got to bring it back to life. <laughs> a near-death experience. <laughs> yes, I just had a near-death yeah. experience. <laughs> <laughs> well, definitely bring, bring it up on the next show. And uh, I presume the uh, the ladies that were with us earlier uh, will be listening to the rest of the show on archive. And I want to thank you all. Uh, it was an amazing experience for me, and I know Barbara feels the same way. Uh, this is uh, you just you know you get you, you take a whole new view of life. How can you not when when uh, it's the consistency of it, uh, which is one thing that is so solidly positive about this, uh, how could you not believe from hearing it from five people the same way, uh, I could probably say I've heard it from a hundred people uh, the same way that that uh, the, the hope that you feel personally if you believe that that's the situation. It's very hard not to. It would take a, 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 an extreme skeptic uh, to think that this is not a real experience. And uh, so, uh, once again, thank you. And uh, the important thing that we all need to realize is that uh, we all uh, came from different places. We all sailed to this, uh, to this place on different, uh, different ships. But bottom line, we're all in the same boat. And we have to start thinking that way. We have to start realizing that we are not just um, uh, bodies uh, 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 carrying around a brain. We are a brain that uses a body for transportation. And that's what we are. So thank you again, Suzanne. Thank you, Barbara. And we'll see you uh, next week. Thank you. And many blessings and love and light to you all. Thank you. You too.
<laughs> you still with us, Suzette? Oh, I'm still here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the show is not streaming any longer, but we're still uh, recording. Uh, uh, we're still recording. But yeah, that was absolutely fascinating. I am. I'm, I'm not emotionally drained. I am spiritually. So many things go through your head when you're thinking about this and the profoundness of what we've been talking about. I am so thankful that you put this out there as a platform for me to actually come out and talk about my experience. Yeah, that must be pretty cool. I I didn't quite think about the isolation that you must feel. It's like, I, I don't know, um, it's like you found, uh, you know, like finding a treasure somewhere. Right, that exactly. That's exactly care. how I feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't tell anybody about it because nobody's going to believe you. Exactly. It's like it's a great insight. Like, oh, if just everybody could hear what I have to say. But, you know, you're kind of like, ooh, I don't know. Should I? Should I not? But now is the time. I said, no, something inside me said, no, this has to come out. This, I have to share this. It's something. It's knowledge that I have. And when you have knowledge, you just have to share it. That's what it's for. Yeah, well, I just wonder how the other uh, the other people on the show uh, they they probably wouldn't. Uh, I I think they're probably all in the same boat that you are. Yeah, probably. But, uh, it's, yeah, it's very hard to talk about, and yeah. uh, I don't think we quite thought about that, did we, Barbara? No, nope, not at all. Well, I knew I wanted to. Oh. I, I knew we wanted to give them a platform. I was just hopeful I could find enough people to talk, but uh, more than enough, and it was fabulous. <laughs> you sure did yeah, you sure did. Okay, well, uh, I uh, uh, need to take care of some things myself right now. Uh, so, uh, now, now you said Monday was okay for the show, right, Barbara? Monday's fine. Okay, I'm going to see if I can get Billy committed to that. Uh, because okay. uh, she's in Louisiana, I guarantee you, she's going to know firsthand what's going on down there. I'm sure she will. And, uh, Suzanne, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Barbara and Patrick. I'll I'll speak to you maybe next Friday. I'll listen in. Fantastic. I'll, I'm, I'm I'm sure we will. Okay. Perfect. Thank you. Okay. Bye bye. Bye bye. Okay, Barbara. I'll call you after I talk to Billy. Okay. Okay. Great. Hey, you there? Geico presents sharing versus oversharing. Way early this morning, Brad Higdon shared a major spoiler alert from everyone's favorite hit show, Sad Emojis, to express his feelings about the plot twist and a playlist he made to drown out his sorrows? Dude, oversharing alert. Brad, Geico has something worth sharing with those who haven't defriended you. Like how you could save hundreds on your car insurance at Geico.com. So stop moping about the post-apocalyptic world and start saving in the real world. Geico, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. 